It's your typical off-season conversation. Going through win-loss, win-loss, looking at that schedule, and then you start to think, which games are toughest and which are your easier football games? We're going to do that here on today's Locked On Vols, ranking Tennessee's game schedule for the football season in 2023. That and some baseball talk coming up on your Friday. Locked On Vols. You are Locked On Vols, your daily podcast on the Tennessee Volunteers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody? Welcome into it. Locked On Vols, your Friday show with Eric Kane at underscore Kane on Twitter at Locked On Vols. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network. That is your team every day. Shout out every dayers for making Locked On Vols your first listen. Subscribing on YouTube, Locked On Vols, and wherever you get your podcast. All right. Um, so on today's show, we have uh, we're going to rank today. We're going to rank Tennessee's uh, football schedule for 2023. Which games are easiest? Which games are more tough? Uh, that's coming up right here in a couple of minutes. David Schultz, Locked On Sunbelt, is going to join the show. Tennessee and Southern Miss for Super Regional play. And we'll cap that off with my preview of that Super Regional matchup in Segment 3. So a lot of baseball talk here today. But hey, um, when you are two games away from Omaha in the College World Series, it is a big deal. It deserves a whole lot of attention. And uh, that's why I'm bringing them on the show here uh, on today's show. Okay, so look at that Tennessee schedule. Obviously, you know, we know some of the tougher games. So Georgia's, the Alabama's. At Florida, I mean, those come to mind. Um, let's work in reverse order here. Let's go ahead and work our way down in terms of which games are the easiest to the hardest. Well, you start, I think, with Austin P. And and Grant Ramey put his rankings up over at VolQuest.com. And I only slightly differ from his rankings. But you can go check those out over at VolQuest.com. Um, Austin P. would likely be, you know, kind of where I would start this conversation in terms of the easiest. It's uh, the second game or third game of the year, September the 9th. I guess that's the second game of the year. Um, don't have the schedule in front of me. Uh, but a team that's just not very good. They're coming off a 7-4 season, but had a 34 loss to Alabama in November. Uh, they're replacing a whole lot of game, a whole lot of starters. It's one of those bye games for Tennessee. It's your typical in-state, you know, mid-major against Power 5, and uh, Tennessee's going to handle that one. Uh, number 11, I think, would be UConn. That's later in the season. It's homecoming on the hill. And uh, UConn, in terms of the win-loss, what they're projected, the totals over at FanDuel, uh, not very good whatsoever. It's ranked 119th in ESPN's Football Power Index. Uh, it's ranked 115th in the SP Plus rankings, coming off a 5-7 and seven season. Uh, they're positioned to have a number 125th overall offense and a 90th ranked defense. Um, just not a not a very good football team. And, and again, Tennessee should should be able to win that one be a nice little breather there towards the end of the season. Uh, Vanderbilt would be 10th, and I think Vanderbilt's getting better under Clark Lee. I do. Do I think Vanderbilt's a threat to Tennessee to take away a win? No. Do I think Vanderbilt's a threat to uh, win the SEC's, SEC East? Absolutely not. Um, last year, I can say that, right, in terms of divisions. But they are getting better, and their defense is is getting a whole lot better under Clark Lee, obviously. Um, but still, you know, FBI has them at number 73, uh, 69th in the SP Plus rankings. And, you know, FBI is football power index where it takes into account returning production, which you added from the transfer portal, wins, losses the last couple of years, and uh, the last couple of years recruiting classes. We talk a lot of FBI 
uh, here on the show um, during the offseason. But I think Vanderbilt would be there at number 10. I'll put Virginia slightly ahead of Vanderbilt. Okay, it is a power five. It's Tennessee's opener. And I, I'm ranking Vanderbilt at ninth ahead of – I'm ranking Virginia ahead of Vanderbilt at ninth because it's the opener. And Tennessee's going to be far from a perfect picture. They're going to have issues. They're going to be working out some starting positions, trying to find out those rotations, all that type of stuff. And the first game of the season typically is one of your sloppiest. It's said that in the game of football, the most improvement you make is from as a team is from game one to game two. And having lived through that and played through that um, many, many years of my life, I couldn't agree more. So I'll have Virginia ahead of Vanderbilt at nine, even though I don't think Virginia is a very good football team whatsoever. Again, you look at FanDuel's totals. Uh, that total is not pretty whatsoever. I uh, will put UTSA ahead of Virginia um, and in the number eight spot. They can score for sure. Likely um, can be you know positioned as a top twenty-five team to begin the season. Um, again, they return an awful lot. Potentially, this could be one of the better uh, programs in UTSA history. However, the way I look at it, again, you can score all you want. Um, but the majority of the time, the bigger, the faster, the stronger football team is going to take over. And I understand you're saying Georgia State, Georgia State. I get you. Um, I also think that uh, that was a horribly, horribly coached football game where they were treating it like a scrimmage. And Josh Heupel would never treat a game like that like a scrimmage, trust me. Um, so I think I have, I have some respect for UTSA, what they're doing, and what I think they'll accomplish this year. But I do not see that being a loss to Tennessee. I don't. So that would be my eighth toughest game. Uh, coming down here, and if you look over at Great Ramey's uh, rankings over at VolQuest.com, he has South Carolina at seven and Missouri at six. I'm going to flip those. I understand what people are saying about Missouri. I understand about their defense. I think that their defense is going to be top 25 in the country this year, which is really, really sound. That's really, really impressive. However, you've got an absolutely dog. Yeah, you just got you gotten run out of the gym essentially. Um, the last. You know the last two uh, uh, last two years by Tennessee and very much uncertain at quarterback and your biggest playmaker transferred to go to Georgia. I just don't think whatsoever, regardless of how improved and, and good that defense can be in the grand scheme of things, that you're going to halt Tennessee to scoring less than 30 points. I just don't see that, and I don't see Missouri's offense scoring 30 points. I just don't. So that's why I would have Missouri ranked um, lower than that of South Carolina, and, and then I'd have, I'd have South Carolina at number six. Um, sure, they've lost a little bit. That that uh, total over at Fanduel doesn't look great. They still return some. They brought in some. They bring back a quarterback that, again, if Spencer Rattler plays like he did the last couple weeks of the season, then South Carolina is going to be okay. But the problem is, in, in two years in Columbia, he hadn't really played like that until uh, the last or the year, the, his time in Columbia so far. He hadn't really played like that until uh, the, the last couple of games of the 2022 season. So, regardless, um, you know, I, I I think the South Carolina is going to be more of a challenging game. They've been better in the transfer portal. They've added some weapons. They added a tight end when they lost a tight end. Um, depending on what you can get from the run game, how much can that help out Spencer Rattler? I think that will be more of a challenge than Tennessee, even though it's at home compared to the going to Missouri on the road. Uh, then you look down at number five, and uh, that's where Grant and myself both believe uh, come the Kentucky Wildcats. It's going to be a challenge. It's going to be on the road. Um, it's going to be Kroger Field. You significantly upgraded a quarterback if you're Kentucky, so I think you got better in that regard. You still lost some on the offensive line. You still lost your entire backfield. So there's some questions for Kentucky. 
Um, but you're still pretty decent on the defensive line of the scrimmage in that front seven because it's, you know, Mark Stoops coach club. However, I do think that is going to be a challenging football game for Tennessee, but I don't think it's going to be more challenging than Texas A&M that comes in fourth uh, in, in my rankings here and as well as Grant's. Um, Petrino, Jimbo Fisher, uh, what about the quarterback situation? There's a whole lot of questions about Texas A&M uh, coming into the season. However, A&M has gotten the benefit of the doubt from just about everybody. The metrics love them. Number 19 in the FPI, coming off at 8-4, and four, or projected to go 8-4. and four. The number 16 in the SB Plus rankings, number 44 on offense, number 2 on defense, going to be one of the better defensive units in the country. Uh, this is a big question. A&M has the potential to be a tough game for Tennessee, no doubt about it. Will it be a tough game for Tennessee? We'll find out. Tennessee has a bye week before squaring off against A&M, and I think that's something to take into consideration. And then your big three are going to be your last three. Do I think Florida is a good football team this year? No, I do not. Do I think it's difficult to win in the Swamp? Hell yeah. Tennessee just doesn't win in the Swamp. Um, I think Mertz is a very mediocre quarterback. I think that they have talent on that roster. Um, I think Billy Napier's done a decent job in recruiting for sure. But I just don't think it's developed yet, and I don't think that they're there. I don't think Florida's very good. I just don't. I know the total was like five and a half or whatever. You sprinted that over because they're going to win more than that. But if Tennessee's – I mean, this is what sets the tone for the entire season. You go on the road, your rival, big-time big uh, football game to where you should win, theoretically, depending on the, depending on the quarterback play. But – for some reason, it's just always tripped you up in the past. So because of that, because of the rivalry, it's going to be a night game in, in the swamp. Um, I have that as my number three game. Number two, I think, is going to be at Alabama. And and Grant has Georgia at two, Alabama at one. Number two for me is going to be at Alabama. Um, understanding that is a road game and that's going to be a challenge. Um, I, I get it. Alabama's very unsettled at quarterback. And regardless of who plays quarterback, I think you're going to revert back to your ways of uh, relying on your elite defense and running the football. I just do. Um, however, that roster is still loaded. And Nick Saban just brought in arguably his best recruiting class he's ever brought in. That is going to be a tremendous challenge on the road. Um, but I don't think it's going to be as challenging as Georgia, who it's just like rinse repeat, right? There's no rebuild. It's always a reload. It's just the air we're living in right now and the um, time period where Kirby Smart is king of college football. Um, you, from a talent perspective, you upgraded quarterback. Stetson Bennett was a match made in heaven with that offense and that system and that, that OC and that quarterback's coach and his swagger and his experience. And he was really good for Georgia, but from a, but from a, um, an athletic standpoint and a talent perspective, Georgia's upgrading a quarterback with, with Carson Beck and those guys sitting behind him might be even more talented than Carson Beck. And this is the fruits of the labor of when you stack Highly rated recruiting class, highly rated recruiting class, highly rated recruiting class on top of one another. That's just kind of where you are. So uh, that's how I view it. Again, I'll read this here. This is how I would rank Tennessee's game schedule in 2023. Number 12, Austin P. Number 11, UConn. Number 10, Vanderbilt. Number 9, Virginia. Number 8, UTSA. Number 7, at Missouri. Uh, number six is South Carolina. Number five is at Kentucky. Number four is Texas A&M. Number three is at Florida. Number two is at Alabama. And number one is Georgia. Would love to hear how you guys would rank those and where you guys would differ from 
of my rankings. Hey, when we come back, we're going to do a little Locked On crossover. Can't wait for that. David Schultz, Locked On Sunbelt. He will join the show when we return right here on Locked On Vols. But hey, I want to tell you about Bird Dogs. Uh, they make you look good, okay? They stretch khaki shorts designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and leg, giving you that sculpted look, if you know what I'm saying. Bird Dog shorts do exactly like Lululemon, but they fit way better. They fit better than regular shorts and are made of a stiff, restricting cotton. And Bird Dogs has fixed that issue by inventing a cloud knit fabric that looks just like khaki but stretches so you can get way slimmer fit without having to sacrifice movement. Bird Dogs uses anti-stink sweat wicket fabric that keeps you cool and dry all day long. And in these summer months, you guys know what I'm talking about. You need it. The versatility. You can wear it out on a date. You can wear it to work to a meeting. You can wear it out to the bar with the boys. Whatever the case may be, those pants, those shorts from Bird Dogs, they are comfortable, and they're versatile, and they are just for you and just for me. Go to birddogs.com slash lockedoncollege. Enter that promo code lockedoncollege for a free Yeti-style tumbler with your order. I got mine. I keep meaning to you know use it here on the show, but I've got it. Uh, that's birddogs.com slash lockedoncollege for a free Yeti-style tumbler. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you that. Locked On Crossover, David Schultz. I am Eric Kane, host of Locked On Vols. David over here, host of Locked On Sunbelt and Super Regionals. It is here, and uh, game number one of Tennessee and Southern Miss set for Saturday at 3 o'clock Eastern time. It's going to be televised on ESPNU. Uh, David, first and foremost, how do you like uh, this series, man? It's two really good ball clubs. Southern Miss, one of the hottest teams in the country. Tennessee looked like one of the best teams in the country in the uh, in the uh, Clemson Regional. How excited are you for this uh, this super regional play? Well, it should be really good. So, a little bit of a shocker that you know the Sun Belt team got to host. Uh, you look into it a little bit further, right? They shockingly they outdrew Tennessee last year in the super regionals, although both teams uh, did come up short. So Southern Miss wins the Sun Belt Conference tournament. They were the second seed in, right behind Coastal Carolina. Uh, they downed the Cajuns in the championship ball game, uh, and then you know did it the hard way in their regional. They lost the first game, and somebody that Tennessee needs to keep an eye on is Justin Storm. He pitched extremely well in the Sunbelt Championship game against the Cajuns, gave up a two-run home run in the regional opener, but then pitched five and a third shutout innings uh, to win the regional with 10 punchouts. He is uh, you know, the reliever, and he's really good. I think that uh, Scott Berry mentioned that he kind of came into his own last year at this time in the regional and the super regional and got off to a little bit of a slow start but like the rest of the team for the last couple of months southern miss has been really tough uh tennessee's gonna need to bring you know their best and i would ask you you know it's a little bit different this year right lsu was kind of the tennessee of this year mm-hmm. where tennessee was all cocky and having a lot of fun last year but then do you think they were humbled this year and kind of instead of doing all the celebrating it was much more important to go out and win and that's exactly what they did well, I mean, Tennessee for, you know, the it, it's so wild. And I know people that follow college baseball probably know this, but just from the outside looking in, you probably just don't realize Tennessee replaced so much. You brought back pitching, which was great. And you added sure. two pitching. Well, and, you know, in the game of baseball, if you had pitching, you can win. But, you know, one through eight in that order, one through nine in that order, I mean, you replaced pretty much everybody. You had some guys who played a little bit, but they weren't everyday players. So it took Tennessee a while to kind of figure out how to play with each other, whose role was where, that outfield rotation, who's who's the best, you know, left-handed bat off the bench, all that type of stuff. And slowly but surely they were going through those growing pains. 
and they had a they were five and ten in SEC play, and I mean they were on the outside looking in, right? And then the Vanderbilt game came Friday night, game one at Lindsey Nelson Stadium. Tennessee played a really really good game, but was down by two runs and bottom of the ninth inning. Uh, two solo home runs tied it. They walked it off in the thirteenth or twelfth inning, whatever it was. And since that Vanderbilt game, things have turned. Tennessee went off and you know finished fifteen of the last nineteen with wins, eleven of the last fifteen in SEC play. And they figured out who they were. And so this is a dangerous ball club right now, David, that um, they can pitch. They look like they can pitch. And and their best pitcher is not even, you know, you look at his numbers, Chase Dolander has taken a, a big step down from last year. He's still got incredible stuff, and he's looked better of late. But, you know, guys like Andrew Lindsay and Chase Burns in the bullpen and Drew Beam at number three and Camden Sewell out of the bullpen, A.J. Russell, a huge reason why Tennessee is where they are right now. And, they're going to need all those guys and more to, to, to try to silence that, that good lineup for Southern Miss. So conference tournaments are different for different teams, right? Southern Miss or Coastal didn't need the Sun Belt Championship as much as the Cajuns needed to get there uh, and we make their, you know, play their way in. I mean, Tennessee didn't win a ball game in the SEC tournament. I, obviously, they were going to be a number two seed. I'm not sure they could have hosted maybe if they won it. So what was Tennessee's, you know, plan going into the sec tournament and how disappointed were they not to not to win it i can't imagine it was to i think they got shut out in game one i can't imagine that was the plan but you know what was what was the reaction uh following the tournament and then you know the plan for the regional yeah i mean you know i i don't think anybody ever goes out there and tries to lose but having said that tennessee was already locked to make the tournament tennessee was in position to where if you won that game and maybe won another game maybe maybe if you won three games in hoover you could have probably played yourself into you were already in the hosting conversation, but you could have probably played yourself into being a national host. But there were so many SEC hosts this year that you felt like they were low nice. on the pecking order. But you know Tennessee went one and done, and Texas A and M shut them out three nothing. They went on that run to the championship game, and it was disappointing. It was frustrating for sure. But now looking back, and you almost knew it at the time, you were thinking, okay, this could be a blessing in disguise. Um, now you look back and say, boy. Tennessee took advantage of the rest. Tennessee took advantage of resting the arms, getting some cage work in, doing some scrimmaging, kind of just doing themselves, and then worried about the Auburn Regional, and then they can line everything up where they want. So you never want to lose. Uh, In 2022, when Tennessee was the best team in the country, uh, they played all the way to Sunday, and they won the SEC tournament. And that was fun. That was exciting. But then they turned right around. And, of course, they won the Regional. It was fine. But you turned right around and had to to play a Regional. So, you know, this time around it was kind of a – I want to say a blessing to the skies, but they look they look fresh. The bats were humming this past weekend. The arms were um, just about as good as they possibly could be. You know, Chase Dolander wasn't too sharp, but everybody else was pretty sharp, and um, that's a big reason why Tennessee is where they are. I want to ask you about Dustin Dickerson? My right. goodness, six home runs in regional play. I think he had like two home runs the previous three years before this season. Um, an all-conference player. It feels like that lineup, he's hitting 330. Uh, they kind of go as he goes, it feels like. Well, so Southern Miss had an opposite start to the season uh, that maybe uh, they were expecting, right? They were highly regarded. They, I mean, you don't usually see these group of five schools, top 10, top 15, uh, and having an ace like Tanner Hall, a little bit different of an ace. The volunteers maybe used to guys throwing 95 to 100, right, for themselves and maybe mm-hmm. seeing – if they ever get to see LSU and a Paul Skeens, Tanner Hall throws high 80s and, you know, with changeups and breaking balls. The lineup was not going very well. 
to begin the season, right? Maybe a little chilly, uh, and that puts a lot of pressure on the pitching. And so you feel like you got to be perfect. Once the lineup came around with Dickerson uh, and Danny Lynch and some others, they're tough. They're, they're, they're just, they are tough. They, t- they had an awful loss to App State uh, in the Sunbelt Conference Tournament and came back later in the day and dusted them off early and didn't matter. You know, they played one extra game that they wanted to and had enough pitching uh, to make it through and beat the Cajuns, who did not have enough pitching uh, at the end. But, yeah, uh, Dickerson leads the lineup with Danny Lynch. He's like a Southern Miss legend. He has been a raging Cajuns destroyer throughout <laughs> his career. Uh, so, they'll, uh, you know, volunteer fans need to pay attention uh, to him uh, as well. Scott Barry, of course, has already announced his retirement. He's pulling out all the all the mental gymnastics that he can uh, help out his team. So it'll be interesting to see. And he's only 60, right? I mean, we got football coaches in this league that are closer to 80 yeah. <laughs> that, uh, uh, that, are, that that are still going. So, uh, no, the, the lineup is, is really good. Dickerson is a big part of it. The question is going to be, and it's odd, Eric, but talking with Scott Watkins of the Sun-Herald on how we go from needing so much pitching in conference tournaments Needing a lot of pitching if you lose a game in the regional. Oh, yeah. Don't really need a whole lot of pitching in a super regional. It's three games at most. So you don't have to worry about that fourth or fifth ball game. If you lose, you're only, it's only one more ball game. That's it at, at, at the worst. So it'll be interesting to see, uh, you know, how these guys, you know, use their pitching uh, for, you know, for, uh, you know, to set it up with. I pres- Tanner Hall, I presume, is going. That's the way Scott Barry is going to go. And the question is, who's going to be number two? They've used that combination of Nick Mazza, the starter, and that Justin Storm on the back end. And that's worked out two out of three times really, really well. Who does – you mentioned who Tennessee's best pitcher is. Is that who's going to expect to go on Saturday? Yeah, so I, I would anticipate Andrew Lindsay would get the start on Saturday. Uh, Chase Dolander, he was the number two last year uh, with Chase Burns on Fridays, and he started the year as the number one, but when they moved – Chase Burns at the bullpen. They moved Dolander back to two and brought in Andrew Lindsay. And Lindsay, um, he, he played for Charlotte in 2021, pitched against Charlotte on, on Friday this past week, so that was fun for him. Um, he's going to be an early-round draft pick this summer. He's got nasty stuff, and arguably he is the reason, one of the main reasons why Tennessee's had this turnaround. He's just been an anchor. You know, Tennessee's won uh, six of his last starts. Um, he's got like a 212 ERA. I mean, he's, he's really, really solid. So he will pitch – on Saturday, I would imagine uh, Dolander would likely will, Dolander will pitch on Sunday, and then if there's a Monday, if necessary, Drew Beam is your number three starter. But um, you got to have a plan for Monday. Don't get me wrong, but I, I, you know it's always fun to play manager in all these scenarios. Right. Say you're up two, three runs on Sunday. Um, I don't think Drew Beam will be the guy you turn to to go get those outs, but you know maybe you make him available on Sunday if Tennessee's in the driver's seat. Who knows? Um, but you know you go back to saying like you need so much pitching for conference tournament and regional play to where you might not need as much for this because it potentially could only be, you know, it could only be two games, three games. Most I could maybe see Tennessee taking one of their pitchers that they carried last weekend, taking him off active roster, bringing up another position player, just to have some more flexibility. So, um, you know, we'll see exactly what happens. I'm excited for this one. Um, I, I know that it's been fun this week. Um, you know, well, I've we got need to opinions. talk about that a little bit. All right. Yeah. Because yeah. I, mean, well, the second, I never thought I'd be doing crossover with SEC, but this is the second time we've done this. Yeah. Uh, and maybe the first time, you know, it was in Florida. It was basketball. It was the Cajuns versus the Vols. And 
Vols fans were respectful. Uh, they knew they won a close ball game, right? You know, win and move on, right? Great yep. job by the Cajuns. That was a heck of a ball game. Good job by you guys. And, you know, the fan interaction was kind of fun. It has, it's been entertaining to me, but the fans have been going nuts. I don't know, Eric, the last time Knoxville, or in this case, Hattiesburg or Applebee's has been trending ever. And Hattiesburg and Applebee's has been trending because, because it has not been uh, a fun give and take, although I find it uh, entertaining. I have been to Knoxville, surprisingly. It is a nice college town. Uh, I've actually been to Knoxville more than a, a handful of mm -hmm. times. So uh, I like it. I've been to Hattiesburg once. It seemed like nice. I was in and out. But it had, that's been the entertaining thing to me that I did not see coming. Uh, Southern Miss versus uh, Vols Nation Twitter beat. That is something new for me. Well, I'm sure you've seen Tennessee's, you know, fans on Twitter, you know, football, basketball. I mean, they're yeah, everywhere, like right? Kentucky. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, they're, they're everywhere. And it, it's, it's always in, you know, it, it's annoying sometimes, but, but I love it because I'm, you know, I'm covering this team. It, it's like an us against the world mentality. And so obviously when Tennessee was passed to, to not be the host and, and you're going to Hattiesburg, Mississippi and Southern Miss gets the host and all that, you're going to have a lot of people that are upset, you know, right, wrong, and different. A lot of people upset. And it's funny you mentioned the Applebee's, man. One of my one of my boys, uh, you know, on the beat works for the new Sentinel. He started that whole thing. And this morning he was like, I never thought in my life that this would blow up. I wasn't trying to stir any controversy. I was just being myself. And this has gone almost viral, the whole Applebee's thing. So it almost. has been Yeah. Yeah. Can I I, mean, I'm gonna stand up for Applebee's. I like Applebee's. <laughs> I don't have a problem. You get you know what you're getting when you go to Applebee's. It's not very expensive. You got good burgers, good salads. Did you see the picture though? Did I he, see he the posted, picture he, of it? Yeah, he posted a picture and it was obviously not very appetizing. So he, I think oh, he was okay. like, "The last time I was at Applebee's, this is what I got." And oh, I mean, okay. from right. that perspective, I understand. I have no issue with Applebee's. Heck, I used to eat it all the time. Hey, in college, yes. I would go at, at like nine o'clock at night. They'd have ha half off apps and drinks. You know, I was broke. I, I was all the time there in college, so I have no issue with it. But right. it's just funny. We were talking about it this morning, man. He was like, I had no idea that this was going to be a thing, but here we are. Oh He's God. like, I'm the center of all the controversy. That's hilarious. It oh, postseason baseball. All right. I, you know, it, it's hard to predict or anything, but for last thing, for Southern Miss to win this series and go on to Omaha. First, has, has Southern Miss been to Omaha before? To your knowledge? I don't think so. No. Okay. Okay. I do not think so. I can't confirm that, but they missed last year. Yeah, yeah. yeah. For Southern Miss to win this series and go to Omaha, what obviously needs to happen outside of, I feel like they've got to take advantage of Tanner Hall and win game one. Yeah, they got to win Saturday. That That's yeah. basically it. I think I think they have to win Saturday. It's not impossible for them to come back and, and win Sunday, Monday. Of course, as, as we mentioned, you know, you don't need a whole lot of pitching, but if, if it's going to be really tough for them to overcome a Tanner Hall loss, although they just did it. Yeah. You know, they pitched nine innings against Sanford and <laughs> lost four to two. So uh, I would think that would be the key, right? Because you knock off Auburn and then you got Sanford and Penn again, right? The volunteers are not Sanford and Penn. With all due respect to Sanford and his head, the volunteers are not that. So you have to win with your ace and see if the, if the backup guys uh, can do it. I won't be surprised if this series goes either way. I am looking forward to, you know, all the volu volunteer nations going to show up. They're not going to get into the game, but they're going to show <laughs> up. 
And I'm sure they'll be at a watch party with a bunch of, it's going to be an interesting mix of Halloween colors, black, gold, and orange. Uh, <laughs> they'll all be watching in the same park, I think. It'll be a lot, it'll be a lot of fun. I'm sure it'll be a whole lot of kumbaya. <laughs> At that, at that watch party. <laughs> It'll be fun. Uh, I got a buddy. Literally, he's going to ride down there with me, keep me company. He has no tickets. He's going to go find alcohol and go find the game somewhere. And, I mean, that that's, to your point, that's what a lot of people are going to be doing. Um, for Tennessee, uh, contrary to just having one ace that you, that you feel so good about, I mean, Tennessee, you got Dolander who can go game two. You got right. a lot of confidence right. in Drew Beam. You got Seth Halverson, Chase Burns in the bullpen. So for me, I think the key is timely hitting. Points and times this season, Tennessee's offense, like Tennessee basketball's offense, has just gone astray. Can't find it anywhere. It's gone super quiet. Um, the back half of the season, they've had they've been incredible with timely hitting. They were great with timely hitting in the Auburn Regional. Continue that trend, regardless of who's on the mound. I think you have enough pitching for sure in a three-game series to where you can take down uh, Southern Miss or, or really anybody for that matter. Uh, so timely hitting, and I think that uh, Tennessee can make a return trip to Omaha. Great stuff there from David Schultz, host of Locked On Sunbelt. He does a great job covering the entire conference. There's a need there. That's why he's here on the network. And I uh, remember when we talked to him prior to Tennessee and Louisiana and the NCAA tournament, and now we're talking to him prior to Tennessee and Southern Miss. Hopefully, it turns out the way that uh, it did, you know, last time when you know Tennessee beat Louisiana, advance on. Maybe Tennessee will beat Southern Miss in a best of a three-game series and advance on to the College World Series. So uh, we we talked to David, got his thoughts on Southern Miss and a little bit of the matchup, but. Um, here's my breakdown, okay? And we're going to go, I know some of these names we already mentioned last segment, but um, I'm going to break it down, give you guys some more entailed uh, descriptions and looks and everything. And of course, you can find all my pregame coverage, pre-series coverage over at VolQuest.com today and tomorrow morning. And of course, all the games uh, this weekend. What you need to know about Southern Miss? Well, they dropped their first game to three-seed Sanford on Friday in the Auburn Regional. They were the two-seed. Uh, but the Golden Eagles ran the table, knocking off Penn twice to claim the regional championship. You know, if you lose one of those games, you essentially got to, you know, you got to win out. And then ultimately, you got to, when you get to the championship round, you got to beat that team twice. If Tennessee were to have lost to Charlotte on Sunday, they would have to turn around and play Charlotte again on Monday. Um, that is what Southern Miss did, and, and it was able to beat Penn twice. Penn was the four seed. Um, Golden Eagles claimed the Sun Belt Tournament Championship and its inaugural season in the league, knocking off Louisiana 6-2 a couple weeks ago. They were the three-seed entering that tournament, or the two-seed, rather. Uh, but they were playing in Conference USA, and then made the switch over to the Sun Belt this year and won the tournament championship in its first season. Um, Southern Miss has now won 23 of its last 26 games, entering Super Regional play, one of the hottest teams in the country. Southern Miss is making back-to-back -back trips and hosting back-to-back -back trips to Super Regionals, and uh, entering Super Regional play for the third time ever. Last year, it hosted Ole Miss, and it got outscored like 17 or 18 to nothing. But, of course, Ole Miss, as we know and we've talked about, has gone on to, to win the College World Series. So those are a couple of notes about Southern Miss. Um, you've got uh, Scott Barry, head coach. He's retiring at the end of the season. They're kind of rallying around him, and it's made for this awesome national story. And he is a good coach. Um, I've heard of him. If you've all college baseball, you've heard of him. Seems like a really, really good dude. Uh, but that's kind of why Southern Miss has gained this, ooh, I'm going to root for Southern Miss, mid-major, coaches retiring. Um, it's easy to root for a team like that. So, of course, Tennessee's going to you know, not have any friends in the national media, nor did they last weekend. 
Uh, as Tanner Hall goes, Southern Miss goes. And it it's strange to say that about a starting pitcher because typically you only pitch one time a weekend. But as we saw in regional play, Sucker started against uh, whoever it was, Sanford on Friday, and pitched nine innings. That game went into extra innings. He gave it everything he had, pitched 123 pitches, and then on two days rest, turned around and started the elimination championship game through three innings, 30 pitches. So they will throw the absolute dog crap out of him if they need to to win this and get on to Omaha. It's that time of the year, right? Uh, but right-handed pitcher uh, Tanner Hall, an absolute stud. He is a Golden Spike semifinalist, which means it's basically the Heisman in college, you know, what was equivalent to the Heisman of football. That's what the Golden Spikes Award is for, you know, baseball, the Heisman, if you will. He was the Sun Belt Pitcher of the Year this year. And last year, when Southern Miss was in Conference USA, he was the Conference USA Pitcher in 2022. So the dude's got back to back Conference Pitchers of the Year accolades. He's 12 and 3 on the season, a 212 ERA, got 118 strikeouts. 32 walks. Opponents are hitting just 199 against him. He's thrown two complete games. Um, he's an absolute stud. There's no ifs, ands, buts about it. He is an absolute stud. And he will get the ball against Tennessee on Saturday. And it helps that this regional also starts on Saturday and not Friday because he gets even more rest after throwing about 17 million pitches last weekend. So that's the starter you got to look out for. What about some other uh, pitchers? Well, much like Tennessee, Southern Miss is very right-handed heavy. Okay, um, you got uh, so I mentioned Tanner Hall. You've got Billy Oldham. Who, fun fact, Billy Oldham is the number two guy, their Saturday guy on normal weekends. Uh, he was a part of the Division Three National Championship squad last year, Eastern Connecticut. And then he transferred to Southern Miss. 7-3 record of 452 ERA. He started 12 games over 16 appearances. Opponents are hitting 230 against him. Um, he, he's been pretty solid. He's been typically the number two guy. The number three guy the last month or so has been Matthew Adams. A 495 ERA. 3-2 is the record on the season. Opponents are hitting 275 against him. So there's a lot of opportunity there uh, for Matthew Adams if there even is a reason to go three games. Uh, potentially he could be that guy that starts. Eight home runs he's surrendered this year, 13 doubles. Okay, so that's a lot. Another guy that they will rely on likely out of the bullpen this weekend, but he has also started many games this year, is Nico Maza. Five and one's the record, 413 ERA, 12 starts, 20 appearances. Opponents are hitting 233 against him. He's given up 17 doubles on the year and three home runs. That's a whole lot. Will Armstead is a really, really talented guy. Um, their best bullpen arm uh, to use in different situations, a 180 ERA, 14 appearances, a 2-0 record, and he also started a game in the conference tournament when they needed him. Uh, you've got a guy by the name of Justin Storm, and if you watch Justin Storm throw against um, Penn, I believe it was the Sunday game, boy, um, he he was really good. He's the closer. He leads the squad with eight saves, a 261 ERA, 6-2 record in 28 appearances. He leads the squad in appearances. He is a really, really talented player. So that's a look at the arms. What about the bats? Well, again, these are some names that you know we've already mentioned in the last segment. Um, Dustin Dickerson, man, shortstop. He had hits prior to – okay, let me let me set this up here. He hit six home runs in regional play. In the Auburn Regional, there were five games. He hit six home runs. Okay, that he, They played in five games. He hit six home runs. He hit four home runs in the regular season. Okay, So that's 
10 home runs total this year. He had six in a span of five games in the Auburn Regional. He had four regular season home runs. And prior to that, in three seasons in 2020, I know it was short, 2021 and 2022, he had two home runs total. Dude is on fire right now. He was the Auburn Regional MVP, obviously. He's a first-team all-Sun Belt selection, hitting 330 on the year. Um, he's got he scored 54 runs. He's stolen 13 bases. A really solid player. He's got 20 doubles as well. Put that in comparison. Maui Ahuna is leading Tennessee in doubles. He's got 19 on the season. So really solid player is Dustin Dickerson. Uh, Danny Lynch, third baseman, another member of the All Regional Auburn Regional team. Uh, another first, another uh, All Sun Belt Conference player this past year. I'm not really sure why he made all, all all conference. To be completely honest with you, he hit six on the order. He's hitting 256. He's got 13 home runs. Got 52 RBI. Maybe that position was pretty weak, um, but the average is in quite there. Uh, the power source, if you want to call it, is Slade Wilkes, designated hitter. He hits cleanup, or actually, he hits third. He's hitting 296 on the season, leading the squad. 20 home runs, 58 RBI, and 58 strikeouts as well. Uh, there was a couple more all-regional selections. Carson Pateau, the right fielder. Uh, Rodrigo Montenegro, the catcher. Nick Monastir, all those guys made the all-Auburn regional team. The second baseman, who hit seventh in the order, provides a lot of pop. 330 on the season, four homers, 26 RBIs, stolen six bases in six attempts. <coughs> Excuse me. Tony Vatello was saying on Thursday when he met with the media, you know, Scott Barry, his team's, they are very good offensively. They've got guys who can hit. <clears throat> as I'm losing my voice here, I'm sorry. Um, and this team's no different. I think solid wise, you know, they got some guys that got some pop and everything. Pitching wise, you got Tanner Hall, who's a stud, and then everybody else is just solid. Okay, the ERA inflated into the fours. You know, that's not great, but they're all that way. There's not like there's a six or a seven or you know whatever. It's you know, it's 212 is the ERA for Tanner Hall. Then Billy Oldham's 452. Then Matthew Adams is 495. Nico Mazza is 413. Will Armstead is 180. And then, you know, the, the the closer that I mentioned, Justin Storm, he's 261. They're pretty decent in terms of the arms. But nobody in America is better with the arms than Tennessee, the way Tennessee pitched last weekend. So it's going to be fun. That is your Southern Miss Super Regional Preview. Game one, Saturday, 3 o'clock Eastern time on ESPN2. Um, there is no time or TV destination for Sunday's game yet. That will be uh, that will be alerted to us shortly after the ending of Saturday's game, I believe. And then, of course, there's nothing for Monday yet if necessary. So um, postseason baseball, win two games, and you're back to the College World Series for the first time since 2021, 20, uh, just a couple years ago. Tennessee is competing in its fifth ever Super Regional play. In two of those previous trips, they were on the road and they won and they advanced to Omaha. The road has been kind to Tennessee in Super Regional play. We will see if it's time again, if it's kind again here for the Volunteers at Southern Miss for Super Regional play. And again, I know a lot of you guys aren't baseball fans, but this is a big deal. So check it out. Appreciate you guys, as always, for tuning in and watching Locked On Vols, listening to us, making it your first listen. You everydayers, big thanks to David Schultz for stopping by the show for a little Locked On crossover. And I uh, got a whole lot of fun coming up next weekend. I'm going to be on the road. Uh, going to be doing Monday show at some point, probably like last weekend. I'll be recording uh, prior to Sunday's game. So Monday's show might not have a whole lot of conversation about baseball. 
just because it, it, it's a long day, uh, to be completely frank with you. But we will have a show on Monday. We'll talk Tennessee football and recruiting and all everything that you want to talk about um, every single day. Shout out every day. It's right here on Lockdown Balls. Appreciate you guys. If you're going to the games this weekend, be safe. If not, enjoy your weekend. Stay safe. And uh, we'll do it again on Monday. This is Lockdown Balls.